You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? What got released? Well, you had a trailer for... Uh... Well, The Mummy was like last weekend. You got The Fate of the Furious, which is Fast and the Furious 8. There was a, a new Assassin's Creed trailer. There was uh, a Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Did you watch any of these things? Uh, there was War of the Planet of the Apes. I watched... I, d I haven't seen that one. I watched The Mummy. And what was the other one? Oh, Spider-Man. I watched Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> so what did what did you think? Of Spider-Man? Sure. You know, I'm pretty excited for it. I think they might be moving in the right direction. Had some success with Spider-Man, obviously. So difficult for them to make another one that's actually good to kind of offset the duds they had but overall i think it looked pretty awesome yeah no Him and iron man flying together <laughs> when in doubt just throw in robert downey jr right absolutely <laughs> um yeah I, I i mean i think it looks pretty great i thought that uh it was weird because like, you know, they, I know, I understand they want to go somewhere different with this one because they've, we've already seen Peter Parker in five movies or at least right. the traditional Peter Parker. And they didn't end up going with Miles Morales in this version. Uh, but they did, um, they did give Peter Parker some of Miles Morales's like, storyline like he's going to be living at a school that you know uh instead of living with aunt may it looks like i don't know because there's that part where he's talking to his roommate and his roommate has like uh uh he, like finds him in that costume and he's like you're spider-man he goes no this is just something i found or it's just a costume or you know something like that oh yeah yeah so i i didn't take it that way but that makes sense i thought it was just like a you know she had let someone into his room in their apartment i didn't really take it as he was living at like a boarding school or whatever but that very well could be the case that, yeah yeah that's kind of the way i took it i think maybe just because i i've read that much of miles morales storyline but uh yeah you're right that, that could have easily have been what it was that his aunt just let somebody into or let his friend into his bedroom but they're still going. You just said they were still going with Peter Parker, right? Yeah, like Tom Holland is obviously is is playing Peter Parker. So well, I guess one of the things. So do you think? I mean, they could still. You're right. They could still kind of take Miles Morales' storyline and you know mix some elements with Peter Parker's. I mean, they've certainly done that before and other things. So wouldn't yeah. be that far of a stretch. No, no, not at all. And I mean, I did hear like uh, someone had a really strange theory of. Uh, what if at the end of Homecoming, Peter Parker ends up getting killed, and they push, it, they move on to Miles Morales for the second movie? And I was like, well, that'd be seem that seemed 
really terrible, but it would be a big shocker. I mean, that would be a pretty big switch. I don't know if they, I mean, I guess they could, but it, it seems kind of unlikely since they've just established this new character, you know, both in Civil War and now in his own film. So it is possible, but I, I have a feeling we're going to get a good deal more of Peter Parker before we ever Alice type situation happen. Yeah, I think just from the business side of, of the studio, they'd probably want to keep Tom Holland on for uh, quite a bit of quite a bit of movies, and then once his contract is up, then they could be like, "Oh, well, now we'll switch over to Miles Morales," which I think would make sense. I mean, you've established this character, you've got a new actor who's obviously going to sign a pretty substantial contract. If we go by what you know uh, they've done with a lot of other superhero characters as of lately. So yeah, I, I would be totally shocked if it was a one and well one and a half and done or <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I get what you're saying hear that <laughs> well yeah you know we was always there was like the reports of Sam Jackson signed what a nine film contract and uh, I think like Chris Evans did a seven film contract but uh, yeah I would assume that Tom Holland would have had to do something of the similar. But, yeah, I think it would be a really big shock to just, oh, my goodness, they've killed them off in the first movie. That would be pretty strange. Uh, on the other hand, maybe that would be a good thing. Maybe it would be this huge shakeup that they they need to hit people with. I, 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 I still think that that would be kind of the best idea at this point in time. But, I mean, you never know. I mean, anything is possible. Yeah, anything's possible. But, yeah, I, I think more than likely we're never gonna it's never gonna be something that abrupt or or jarring i'd imagine yeah i also think it's interesting that it looks like we have the vulture as the villain in this which i if i recall correctly when sam raimi was working on the third spider-man second or third spider-man he wanted to do the vulture as the villain and it ended up not panning out for whatever reason. So I think it's actually kind of interesting that we have the vulture now his cinematic appearance for the first time, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he was trying to get it for the third Spider-Man, his third Spider-Man or not. I know that the plan for his fourth Spider-Man was supposed to be uh, the vulture. And I believe it was supposed to be John Malkovich. It might've been Ben Kingsley. I think we wanted Ben Kingsley, but I think I heard it was John Malkovich that was going to be playing the role. But, uh, yeah, that thir that fourth Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire never panned out, and they went on to do the Andrew Garfield one. And, of course, we, re we started over again. Uh, but, yeah, now we got Michael Keaton playing uh, the Vulture. Yeah, Birdman to Birdman. <laughs> Which, you know, obviously Birdman was very much a play on the fact that he was Batman all those years ago. So technically, we got Batman right. going up against Spider-Man. Be interesting. <laughs> I mean, nineteen eighty-nine Batman versus uh, twenty seventeen Spider-Man. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, line irons Spider-Man because you know they do hint that Tony Stark has made some upgrades to his suit. Now, let me ask you about that because as a, I mean, I mean, I know you're not necessarily the biggest Spider-Man loyalist or fan, if you will, fanboy. Uh, but do you think that takes away from Peter Parker at all by by like you know basically in this new cinematic universe, like Tony Stark was the whole reason that you kind of 
got escalated into the spotlight and now Stark were basically implying at least from the trailer it would seem that, that uh, his new suit has, has somehow been corrected and perfected by Tony Stark. Do you think that takes away from the intelligence of Peter Parker at all? I don't because one, I think th- one, they still left it so that he created his own web shooters. That's the biggest part. Uh, the rest of the stuff, like it to me, it was in the in the comic book sense of the of the, of the uh, movie, or even in the comic books, like it was always a mystery to me that how this kid who was always struggling to get make ends meet was able to uh put a costume together you know you know did he just know how to sew did where did he get you know all these other materials and stuff does does the the fabric lady down the street know that peter parker buys all this red and blue and doesn't put together that he might be spider-man i it's just like the fact that in civil war he upgrades his uh spider-man suit makes sense to me because he, uh, he, he, when would, when would a Peter Parker who has to go to school, has to take care, help take care of his aunt? Well, I guess he doesn't really have to t- take care of his aunt in this universe because she's still pretty young, uh, or at least young looking and capable. Uh, but, you know, has to help around the house and, and try and make some extra money. Like, when does he have time to make a spider suit? I mean, those are all really good points. Uh, and I, agree i think all that makes sense when you kind of break it down and talk about it from that standpoint and you know where would he have and i I mean to a certain extent with the exception of tony stark i mean that is kind of always this question that's seemingly on the back burner of of everything is like well wouldn't somebody figure out like all of the costumes that they go through that (laughs) you know it relates back to this person or wouldn't there be a paper trail somewhere to kind of give away these people's secret identities and so like that's a really interesting point that you bring up there yeah and you know marvel usually in their comic book universe they usually uh have ways of getting around certain things like that like there's the tailor in new york city who help who caters to both super heroes and super villains like heroes can come on mondays and and alternate days with uh villains who come on tuesdays and thursdays you know what i mean so mm-hmm. like there are people that cater to the super the super community in general, uh, which is you know fun little side stories. They don't really pop up in the big stories or the main stories, but they are little hey did you know kind of things. Um, yeah, no, that's that makes perfect sense actually. Right, and, and then I mean we even saw it in uh, uh, Jessica Jones. No, not Jessica Jones. I'm sorry, uh, Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy is uh, the Gladiator. He ends up he ended up making Daredevil suit in that show, but he ends up making other stuff in comic books. Yeah, and I was actually going to mention that. I thought that that was one of the really cool little things that they did with. Uh, daredevil is they kind of had this origins costume for him and then we saw eventually towards the end of the first season this transition into kind of a more iconic similarity of what we're used to seeing daredevil in in the comics so and i and again you're right i thought that that was a very good way to handle it and kind of that it's the same thing for matt murdoch i mean how does this guy who's a lawyer who's managing all these other things and fighting crime find the time to actually sit down and make a costume and make a costume of the caliber and quality to protect yourself in a fight and from ballistics and all this other sorts of things. So I, I agree. I think that's pretty cool. And 
I don't know why. I just I thought for a bit. I just when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of a little unfortunate that they're like kind of showing him set up his suit and not really set up like the iron spider. Uh, but it does make sense, and so I mean, I, I could agree with that. Yeah, and you know, and I and I get what you're saying about taking away his intelligence because. We have seen that in the past when they took away his uh, web shooters in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. You know that kind of does take away a little bit of Peter Parker's intelligence because, uh, you know, it was something that he created, it, but not not something that just came out of his body naturally uh, in the comic books, and that just put him as one of the smarter people's people in the Marvel universe. Now, uh, when Tony Stark makes his suit here, like we do have that to fall back on in the comic books and during civil war when uh tony stark made a suit for peter parker but we ended up seeing that peter parker is smarter or at least knows to think ahead of tony when he uh when tony goes to shut peter's suit down he's like nah i built in a back door so i can override your shutdown if that were to happen in the the movies now uh which you know would be out of place because we already had the civil war it would still be pretty awesome to just show that Peter Parker yeah, no. thinks ahead. So uh, one of the other questions that I had, uh, or something that came to mind in watching the trailer, so we're getting a new, uh, not a new, but yeah, it is new. We're going back to the beginning of Spider-Man yet again. Do you think that this is going to be like a, you know, classic, you know, we're in speaking of Batman, do you think it's going to be a classic Batman situation where we see Uncle Ben die yet again and it just becomes kind of this, so over over overly done thing that it's just we're to a point where it's like okay yes we get it everyone knows that uncle ben dies we don't need to revisit it because i i've said that about superman batman you know and now it's it's kind of in the same boat with spider-man and in the sense that need to necessarily get a 100 percent origin story every single time we produce or reimagine slightly one of these characters i mean what do you think about that well okay so do we need to see a good like act of the movie or a quarter of the story be uh used to retell this the origin no but will we get peter waking up in the middle of the night when he's dreaming about the fact that his uncle got shot probably just like we saw in batman v superman you know seeing uh the the waynes get killed again we don't need to spend the time uh, retelling the whole story, but I think every director or storyteller wants to at least have that scene in there just for a reminder. Yeah, yeah, you and I at age thirty, mid mid thirty, whatever, uh, has has seen that that scene over and over. But you know, twelve year old uh, Samantha, who is going to see Spider Man Homecoming, she might not have ever seen. Uh, Uncle Ben get killed because Peter Parker decided not to stop that crook. Fair enough. And you know what? And it's a thing. It's a thing that happens in the comic books a lot too. Like whenever you have, uh, like especially Spider-Man comics. When you read Spider-Man comics, whenever they start up yet a new story arc uh, or a big overarching story, you know, you'll see Peter get reminded of his uncle for whatever reason. Um, and that will give that storyteller a chance to once again have maybe even put in his little bit of spin or her little spin of, of the origin story of why Peter does it. 
but it's important. It's it's an the, the origin story for those guys, for Superman, for Batman, for Spider-Man. They're, they're all crucial to um, their story. Their why they do what they do. Uh, you saw you. Get, I mean, you when you see Doctor Strange, you got to see his origin story play out throughout the whole movie. Like that's that whole movie. Will they need to in the next movie go over the fact that he crushed his hands and and screwed? Uh, you know, like is looking for redemption. No. Will they do it? Probably. At some point, you'll probably see the car accident once again. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can understand where you're coming from. And I I guess it does make sense if you're getting a little bit younger audience in there that might not know. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm to a point where I feel like it's one of those things where it's like you could touch on it so quickly and so briefly. And, you know, it could be kind of this moment of where if you are that young and I'm sure somebody else is going to be a little bit older watching the movie with you, they could be like, hey, you know, if you're confused, this is what happened, but there's at least enough context that you get it. I mean, like I can kind of understand why they redid the telling for Batman v Superman with Batman, because there was obviously some differences that I felt kind of showed how altered differently by um, witnessing his, how that in that particular instance in the way that it happened, there was a slight difference of him kind of like clenching his fist, kind of like showing that, you know, he's going to become this more aggressive Batman. And I I can kind of understand it from a sense like that, but anything beyond that, I think we're just beating a dead horse over and over again. And I think we should really just kind of get in there, give just enough. And then it's not just this overshadowing thing that always happens every few years when they reboot a superhero. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. They, it should just kind of be a one-second fleeting reminder uh, at this point because we don't need to be reminded about it. And and in Batman v Superman, yeah, it was important because we have a, a different type of Batman in this movie that now we know maybe it's because his father is more aggressive than passive than we ha- we've seen in the past for uh, Thomas Wayne to stand up to that mugger. Um, and I also have to say that I think Marvel Studios did an incredible job when it almost seemed like in Civil War we were going to get the origin, the Uncle Ben dying story in in Civil War, but like Robert Downey Jr. or Tony Stark actually just cuts him off and says, it doesn't matter, I don't really don't care. And like you're just like, oh, well, that that was kind of cool, you know? So I, I really think that Marvel Studios will will handle the idea of retelling the origin story a lot better than we have seen in the past for any comic book movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that that's the case. I, I hope that, you know, because this still isn't 100% Marvel, correct? It's still. Right. It's, it's, it's Marvel and Sony, but I think Sony has learned that just let Marvel Studios go in there and do what they're going to do because they've only printed, you know, money at this point. Yes, uh, they've printed uh, a never-ending stream of it so far. <laughs> right, there's gold bars with Mickey's, you know, silhouette on them now <laughs> because of because of Mar- Marvel Studio movies. Absolutely. Um, speaking of this a little bit changing the subject for just a second but i had never uh, heard of this fan theory before and it's a fan theory involving batman and basically i guess the theory is is that martha 
uh, Wayne cheated with Alfred. They had, a, 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 she got pregnant with a, a, another boy uh, and basically like abandoned that boy or gave that boy up for adoption or whatever. And so Alfred out of uh, spite goes and kills Martha and Kent Wayne in front of Bruce Wayne. And then uh, I, I'm sure I'm leaving out a shitload of details, but then basically long story short is that uh, that child actually ends up being the Joker, which is why his origins are always like wishy-washy and he's actually Bruce Wayne's half brother. Wow. I, I've never heard that fan theory either. I mean, there's parts of that that were in the comic books for, uh, I believe right before quarter owls came out. Um, and there, you know, the, the idea was that Alfred and Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne were all kind of a part of a big sex club kind of thing. And they kind of got some freaky deaky stuff going on. And I think that's where Thomas Wayne Jr. came in and he was, you know, born, but then submitted to, or committed to a, a sane asylum. But I'd never heard the Joker tail end twist there, which, you know, I don't think I would really like so much. You know, one of the I think one of the best things about the Joker is that his origin is really just a mystery, and it should always stay that way. It should, you should never get an origin story for the Joker. Uh, we had the Killing Joke, which came the closest, and that you know at the end of that he he kind of is like ah, I don't know maybe that's not the true story, and I think that it should stay that way. Uh, one of the big things about like a, a character like Wolverine, for the longest time his origin was a shadow. No one really knew anything about him, but they kept adding more and more to his past. Like you would get more of his memories back. And it's like, we have all this story of, of who Wolverine was before he became Wolverine. But then, uh, eventually, um, and I can't remember the name of the writer at the moment, you know, came out with origin and we got the origin story for Wolverine, which is a great story. Don't get me wrong. That's, you know, it's a incredible comic book, but, You've kind of taken, uh, I was going to say, you, you took a little bit away from the mystery of Wolverine, but they've already p packed so much into him that there's no real mystery left. So I would say, you know, keep the origin of the of the Joker a blank, a mystery. Never, never reveal it, never come up with it, never say anything about it. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think I think one of the biggest things that was also really great about him having this mysterious origin is the fact that you can constantly recreate it and tell a different story and explore all these different psychological reasons as to how he became such a psychopath. And yet there's always still, still this shroud of, is that the truth or not? And so I think that's one of the coolest things about that character is that you have the ability to, no matter how many times the, you know, the DCU or, uh, the character, any of that stuff, you can always create this new uh, story, especially film and stuff too. Like with, you know, what they did with Heath Ledger and, you know, how that kind of came about and played very much like, you know, played very heavily into that. I have to agree. I think that is by far one of the coolest elements of his character. And I, I totally agree. I hope they don't ever come out and say, Hey, this is the definitive Joker origin story. Right. Yeah. And, you know, who knows in the future what, what could possibly happen. But, you know, I think it also helps play to the fact that Batman knows absolutely doesn't know what to do with the Joker. Like he stops him, but 
he can never really stop him. Like he, the Joker always gets free, and that's because he doesn't know what you know really what the jo- what motivates the Joker because he doesn't have an origin story for the Joker. Like he knows Mister Freeze is gonna is gonna go after certain things to help out his dying wife. He knows, uh, you know. That the Mad Hatter is gonna is gonna do such and such because uh, he he fell in love with this uh, a girl named Alice. He knows that uh, Jonathan Crane is gonna affect people's uh, minds because he used to be a psychiatrist. Like th- these are things that he knows is gonna happen, but he can't pinpoint anything on the Joker. The Joker is always a wild card, you know, so to say. And that's because he just what was that right. No, 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 I was just saying, yeah, you're right, that, like, nothing is completely guaranteed with him and that none of the psychosis is 100% off the table, that he's very unpredictable that way. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, which, that, that's, like, getting back to that fan theory, where, where did you pick up on that? Just saw a random thing online today when I was just, I, I don't know, I read a lot of random uh, film television comic book related stuff and it was just on some random thing i came across and i was it it just basically i think the like headline was like you know joker half brother of batman and i was like what and then i read it and i was like oh well that's pretty wild and i i didn't remember exactly everything they went into detail with but that was kind of the gist of it was uh was that you know had an affair with martha and they had made the joker (laughs) that's uh that's that's pretty incredible yeah it's different right yeah 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 like i can see that as a like an elseworld comic book that could definitely be a thing just like you know the if you look at flashpoint as an elseworld you know when they they made it so that bruce wayne was killed in that alleyway while his parents survived so thomas wayne became a vigilante batman that you know was okay with shooting and killing the bad guy whereas his mother went crazy and became the joker that's that's a cool little twist on the story it doesn't exist in the the you know the canon world but it exists in a version of the universe or i remember a long time ago i read a story an else world where they incorporated um dr jekyll mr hyde into batman and they made it so that Batman was the Dr. Jekyll version and Mr. Hyde was the Joker. So Bruce Wayne was both characters and he would, as Batman, he would chase himself, the Joker, not knowing that the other one existed. Wow. That is very Tyler Durden of himself. (laughs) I do believe that story was out before, uh, well, at least before the movie fight club. I don't know about the book. Either way, that's still incredible. I mean, like I'm sure that that concept, I mean, obviously, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to an extent. I mean, I, I, that story has obviously already been told. It's just reimagining. Of oh, it, yeah, I wasn't. I yeah, I wasn't trying to imply one way or the other that anybody was anything was stolen. But I just I actually had never put that together with the the idea that Fight Club could be a modern telling of uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah, I, I really never thought of it that way either until right now when we were talking about it. And it actually makes a, a lot of sense. But no, that's interesting. So, OK, um, what about the the mummy? What'd you think of of that? So that, <laughs> you know, I, I think it looks it, it looks cool, and the idea that you know that they're going to start up this whole universal mar- mar- monsters uh, universe, uh, starting with this movie, is kind of cool. Um, when I saw 
Tom Cruise in that preview, like in that trailer, I thought he looked like I I don't know if they just did it with the makeup or they did it with some CGI or what, but he looked really young. Like he looked younger than he did in Jack this newest Jack Reacher movie, which is the last thing I saw him in. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're doing that because of what's like I I don't understand is the lady the mummy or is is Tom Cruise's character the mummy because he dies in that plane crash according to the trailer and then wakes up in the morgue. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I don't think he is the mummy. I, I think from the trailer, at least they're hinting that the mummy this time around is actually a female. I think I think the thing is, is that there is some connection to him and the the mummy in a in a way that is because obviously that plane crash. I mean, he would not have survived that, but I definitely think there's a connection. I don't know if they are trying to imply that he's actually the mummy or if he's like some pharaoh that was with her and she kept him alive and she transferred his I don't know. Maybe she's <laughs> controlling him, maybe she's keeping him alive. I'm not I'm not sure what they're going for, but Yeah, I don't I, and I think he that's was just, the mummy. I think that's just what, you know, the problem with that trailer is that you don't I don't I to me I just felt like I didn't get enough of the idea of what this, the movie is about. I mean, obviously there's car chases and explosions and and running because there's always going to be running in a Tom Cruise movie but uh you know there's all this action happening but I really don't understand what's going on which is fine because you already sold me on the idea I don't really need much more and if you give more there's a chance that you're going to give too much away so which is my really big pet peeve with trailers yeah, it's a very fine line with trailers. I mean, you you teeter the entire time of being too uninformative versus giving the whole farm away. And so, yeah, I, I think it, it's difficult to really get a full sense of what they're trying to go for. I think they're just kind of trying to play off some of the previous mummies where, you know, she obviously was discovered and probably somewhere in Egypt. And then they're bringing her back to the States, probably to put her in a museum. And Tom Cruise probably works as like a curator or some sort of archaeologist at the museum. And <laughs> now all of a sudden, like he's being uh, and taken over by uh, this mummy until she can completely restore a physical form and walk the earth again. And he's got to run out and literally run out with, you know, the full run and uh probably shirtless somewhere in there too (laughs) and um you know save the day yeah i mean that's that's kind of the formula for tom cruise movies and i'm all for it i i I enjoy tom cruise movies i don't i mean more often than not oh i do too i i i definitely enjoy his films i think he's done i mean just like everyone he's had some that weren't others were as good as they should have been but i think just overall most everything he's in is highly enjoyable and you know i yes does he kind of play the same character in every film sure but that's a lot of actors that do that and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i mean if people have paid you know multiple decades uh over multiple decades i should say to go and watch his films and continue to do so then obviously he's doing something right so i would say keep doing it and you know that's another thing i think like i say that a lot i say that a lot about a, a lot of different actors that that end up just playing the same character over and over but i think with tom cruise like we've seen his career what span i want to say four decades now and yeah you you i've you've seen him play different kind of characters like 
Les Grossman and uh, his character in Magnolia or uh, uh, what was the character in Collateral. But, like, he, he does play different characters, but I think the ones that make the most money are the ones that are playing the, the Tom Cruise character, like that, that particular character. So why not go back to that? No, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I mean, you would look at somebody like Jeff Goldblum, and, I mean, like, he is arguably the the same in every single movie that he does but put him in 100 movies and i'll watch him i i find it very ex- like interesting and and fulfilling to watch him play the same character because he does it so well and it you know it always kind of works whenever he's put into a situation like that and i would say it, you're right like his um less grossman in uh tropic thunder was freaking hilarious and there was some talk that they were going to move forward with a feature based just off his character and i would have actually loved to have seen that i think that would have been a hysterical comedy and i think that's another thing that uh tom cruise could do very very well but doesn't get as many opportunities and maybe he just doesn't like to do comedy that much but it certainly seems as if he doesn't get that opportunity comedies yeah you know i think i think you're right i think um he he probably doesn't get that many opportunities to do comedies. Uh, I think maybe the last thing I saw him in was that's supposed to be comedic was uh, Rock of Ages because I think that was after Tropic Thunder. Yeah, that was after Tropic Thunder. And you know, and I think that's just because he gets. And I don't want to see pigeonholed because he's got enough star power and money that he can make whatever movie he wants. But he knows that his bread and butter is action adventure movies. Yeah, I, well, and I mean, very clearly it is. I mean, just even sitting here thinking back, I I mean, the first things that come to mind are, you know, uh, War of the Worlds, uh, Mission Impossible, Jack Reacher, uh, Oblivion. I mean, Mission Impossible is probably the biggest one or the longest running one that he's done multiples of. But I mean, almost every time he comes out in a movie, you're like, okay, well, it's going to have some degree of of action uh, to uh, collateral. There was a good deal of of action, even though I would say collateral was quite a bit more of a drama. And it's it's actually a really good movie. And again, I would say that's a character that's a little bit than uh, or at least tries to be different than what his status quo usually is. Well, I mean, he's the antagonist in that instead of the protagonist, which is definitely different. We don't usually see him as not not the the protagonist of a story. The hero. The, or the hero. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I thought, he, again, that's another situation where I don't know if it's on his terms or if it's just the studios don't like to do it, but I think he plays a great villain. And I honestly, uh, going forward, would actually like to see him play more villains. I think he would do an incredible job at at playing just, you know, some ruthless, ruthless villains. And I, I don't know that we'll ever get it, but I think it would be pretty awesome to see. Well, there you go. I say in a future Marvel movie or DC movie, he should play the bad guy. <laughs> I think that would be amazing if he played some sort of villain i don't know which one he would play yet but i i definitely think it would be awesome if he was a comic book uh mega villain yeah so was i and, and you know which one you left out earlier when you were you were naming off some of his action movies and i'm kind of hurt because i know you loved it was edge of tomorrow oh yeah yeah i definitely loved edge of tomorrow it was <laughs> absolutely fantastic I, I think they're actually doing a sequel to that as well. So yeah, they're supposed to be working on the sequel. I, I believe that's his supposed to be his next project. Nice. Yeah, I mean that was great. Minority Report. 
I mean, he's done just an incredible amount of action films over the, what, 30 decades, or not 30 decades, 30 years. I did the same thing you did a long time ago. <laughs> um, years of his career. I think it's over 30 years now because I think he started in... I think he started well, in the 70s, not. so I think it would... Yeah, because I think uh, The Outsiders was in the 70s. So it would be four you decades, right. forty years, yeah. But uh, so, Jeez. what what did you end up thinking of the of the mummy trailer? Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I I definitely am, and you know, I well, I kind of gave my full synopsis of what I how I think the movie's gonna go. But uh, overall, yeah, it's Tom Cruise. I'm I'm there. I'll watch it. He's awesome in his action movies. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know what they're going to do going forward because they've talked about creating this gods and monsters universe, this cinematic universe. And uh, I think they were trying to work Dracula into that a while back with like the Dracula untold or something like that. And they uh, out the way that they had, had thought. So I think now the mummy is kind of their launch pad for this new guest test that they're doing because i mean you know the monster movies were really big way back in the day but i just i don't know if they're gonna hold the same weight that they used to because i mean at the time that they were really popular i mean visual effects weren't really that good practical effects weren't really that good uh, you know so it was very difficult to maybe create something that was you know actually frightening on on film that was fabricated and so I think by today's standards, you can create these much more visceral experiences that can actually do a lot more to affect people watching it. So to see if you take these old concepts and try to breathe new life into them, if they're still going to be relevant like they were, or if it's just holding on to something for the nostalgia factor, and maybe it is time to just let those go and come up with something new, you know? Yeah, no, I, I and I think you're you're right, and and I think we've talked about this plenty of times before. Maybe not recorded, but you know, uh, studios love to go back to properties that they've had and hold on to instead of going to newer ones because people like to watch things that they've already know the story to or uh, want to see updated versions of. So. I you know I had actually forgotten about that Dracula Untold story that or movie that you you'd mentioned, and I remembered that yeah that was supposed to be part of this connected universe that they were gonna do. Uh, I would love to see another Wolfman movie because that last one with Benicio del Toro I just wasn't a fan of. Um, I and I don't know how Frankenstein works into or the Frankenstein monster or the Frankenstein monster story works into it if because I'm pretty sure by now uh, Frankenstein's monster is a uh, a public domain kind of character uh that they can that that anybody can use but um i would imagine it's got to be out of out of uh, copyright at this point and i would i mean it was what uh mary shelley wrote the first one right, right. yeah mary shelley wrote oh i mean i'm not entirely sure but it's if it's not it's got to be really close but i think it is i would imagine it well, has I mean, to be probably we had the we had that aaron eckhart movie not too long ago i frankenstein we have uh we have penny dreadful where they use victor frankenstein and then we had victor frankenstein uh you know with uh james mcavoy and daniel radcliffe so all those i would just have to assume that that that's that's all in the public domain by now yeah, I would I would 
say you're probably 100% right. And so, I mean, in a, in a sense, I guess that is a good thing because then they can, you know, kind of go in and do whatever they're going to do and not have to really worry about royalties or any sort of uh, compensation to anyone else. And, you know, maybe that's also a good thing too because then they don't have to worry about, you know, what they do with their reimaginings of these characters. They can just step in there and... So what would you think of a, a, a connected universe, though, where, like, if eventually all five of the monsters come together and you they have to they're gonna try and uh take over the earth or something and you know tom cruise has to stop them see i that i don't know i i just i don't know that that's a good idea like to me i don't see the point in that i think the monsters are fine and just let them be on their own i really don't think there's any reason to try to fabricate and force this uh on people just for the sake of, of doing it. I really don't see any points of that at all. Uh, but then again, I mean, I could very well be wrong. It, it could come out and it, it could be this amazing thing that makes why they would do it that way. But right now, I don't see it. I don't see why you would do that. Because we need Monster Squad 2. Well, it's funny you should mention that. That was the only thing I was going to say. Like, <laughs> the only way I would be okay with that is if they did a Monster Squad uh, remake that is also connected to the cinematic universe. <laughs> that would be it. That would That'd be, be the only reason. That, I would be okay with that. You know, and that's another one of those those movies that you go back and watch. And I, I recently rewatched that movie. I think within the last four months. Uh, but you go back and rewatch it, and you're like, it's like one of those movies. Is like, well, most of this movie would be solved if just with the fact that we have cell phones now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, I think it would be awesome to re rebirth that movie with the fact that they're redoing everything at this point to play it safe. Because I think, again, and you know, this is another thing we've had, you know, so many conversations about both I think on here and in person is the, you know, the film industry is really in a awkward situation right now. It's, it's at a transitional point to where nobody's really sure what's happening. And so the studios are just playing it safe. And, and I think to a, a larger degree, they got extremely lucky that they kind of stumbled onto the fact that they could make successful comic book films and, and just milk money out of the cow's teat with that. But the rest of the industry right now, it just really seems like they don't know where they're, going or what they're trying to do and so they're just all taking a step back and playing it very close to the vest and safe and you know they're recreating all of these old franchises they're i mean like and speaking of tom cruise and sequels they've they have a top gun 2 coming out i think next year uh, which is i mean okay i mean really do i mean do we need that <laughs> at this point i I don't know. I mean, we've already established that Tom Cruise is going to make a ton of money no matter what he's in. So make more new Tom Cruise movies. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm all for making new Tom Cruise properties, but and and I just, I think, I think Tom or Tom Cruise top gun is definitely a product of, you know, that, that era, that time of that, that type of movie. Uh, and I don't see how a remake of it is really going to do well. But uh... oh no, I completely agree. I mean, that's that's uh, one of the biggest things with film in general is if you look at a lot of films, it's very heavily impacted by the cultural happenings of the time and and the relevance of it. And so, when you stop and think about it, you're right. Like, is there going to be a new modern reimagining of 
uh, or or even a continuation of Tom Cruise that still is going to hit that board socially now? I don't think so. No, yeah, I don't think so either. It's 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 like uh, it's like what they tried to do with Point Break. You know, we had this nineteen what ninety four movie about this cop who goes undercover and and tries to uh, you know infiltrate these surfers to find out who's robbing banks and then uh they he ends up finding making friends with them on on accident but we had then we go and have fast and the furious movies which you know start the first movie starts off the exact same way but it's cars car gang instead of surfers and they're doing all these extreme things so then we have this remake of point break where it's not just surfing anymore it's all it's all extreme sports and they're not robbing banks to just give get money for themselves they're robbing banks for altruistic reasons to uh you know spread the wealth and and expose bad uh, bad companies for what they're doing so like that was their that was their way of trying to update it for the times because you know maybe the guy the people that would go and see this movie are going to be the ones that are anti-establishment and all that kind of stuff but i mean obviously the movie didn't do well yeah, I mean, that's very, very true. I definitely, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of the same situation with this, but I, I mean, are you going to change Top Gun into every type of extreme flying or are they going to be like drone racing now? Or, you know I, what I mean? Like, it just seems very weird to try and. I honestly, I don't doubt that there will be some type of drone racing in a Top Gun uh, remake. There will be some drone racing, there will be some simulator uh stuff and there would probably be like some type of uh automated airplane in there like kind of like stealth yeah you're probably right oh my goodness because there will be there will be the like i imagine tom cruise will come back as the new as the as the flight instructor or the top gun instructor that you know that um uh what what was his name the the old guy with the mustache uh what was his call sign was it was it Wizard? Oh gosh, it's been forever since I've seen that. No, uh, oh, I don't think so. No, t- um, t- t- Tim Robbins was Merlin, right? Yeah. And then they had Iceman and Goose, and that's yeah, okay. Oh my gosh, it doesn't make a difference. But he'll, Tom Cruise will come back as will will come back to the movie as the instructor, and then there will be some some kid, whoever they want to try and you know pump up his reputation uh, as an actor to be alongside tom cruise and they'll make it so that he's going to go up against some type of uh automated plane and he's gonna be like no you're still gonna need a, an actual pilot in the seat or something like that and that's what the movie's gonna be about yeah yeah you're right was it god was it viper it might have been viper did you it, did, yeah. did you pull it up on imdb no but I probably should. It's okay. It's not. Important. Gosh, it's been. For, I have not. No, no, no. I know, but I'm just saying. Like, I have not seen that movie in so long. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. Too. Ridiculously long time. <laughs> uh, I did want to say that. Um, talking about and and jumping to a different trailer because we we just finished up with. Uh, or we didn't finish up, but uh, we, we were just talking about, or I at least brought up Fast and the Furious. Did you watch the Fate of the mm-hmm. Furious trailer? I did. So. I did, yeah. I, I want to say, um, between you and I, I would say that 
I, at least I, this is how I feel that you and I have, have been a fan of these movies since the beginning. Like I remember when the second one was coming out, we had that running joke, you know, the third one came out and we were just like, well, we don't quite understand because it's none of the people that we know. But then from four on, you know, they kept connecting these stories and they, uh, you know, I, I think they crafted a well, a good story that just kept going forward. And I, I, I find myself defending these movies often because people are like, oh, it's just the same movie over and over. And I think, well, it's the same in the sense that it's cars and, you know, the cars make a big take a big role. But like you actually are getting a different type of action movie in each one of these movies. And I think with this newest one, Fast and the Furious 8 or The Fate of the Furious, um, you're getting this, you know, storyline where Dom is now going against his team. And though the trailer doesn't show what, you know, why it is that he's going against his team, he is obviously like under Charlie's Theron's influence somehow. Yeah. And I just think that's, I think that's, uh, you know, it, I don't know if the movie's going to be any good, but I think it's still innovative. Well, yeah, to backtrack for a second, you're right. We do like, so to kind of let people know, I think it was, you're right. I definitely enjoyed the first one. And I, I, the first one was something completely different that really kind of brought street racing onto the forefront of people's minds that previously had no knowledge that this even was a thing or existed. And I definitely think that that kind of did open up a lot of doors and was, was to a degree, very original at its time. But I do agree when we went to watch uh, or, or when we saw the trailer for the second one, we were both just like, what? Like, this looks like garbage, like blah, 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 blah. And then we were both like, so are you going to go watch it? And we're like, yeah, probably. And that's exactly how I still feel about the Fast and the Furious. Every time I see a trailer for this, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. It looks <laughs> horrible. It's gotten so, so far away from what they originally did that was grounded in reality. A lot more, I would say, heavily grounded in reality versus the last three or four that they've done. Well, probably all of them at this point. <laughs> But you're right. There is something that's interesting about their approach to these films and about the characters, that people love these characters and they have created this weird misfit family that people love to come back to and root for and watch. Because you're right. Like there, This one definitely seems a good degree different in the sense of the story. Now, what I would say is if you're someone who's saying this about the fast and the furious, but you're still that person that buys call of duty annually. It's kind of the same shoe. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're kind of complaining that it's a fresh coat of paint every year, but nothing's really changing that much. And I think that obviously they have found a way to make that work. I mean, the last film grossed over a billion dollars in the box office and Odds are this one probably will as well. I think it's kind of interesting that last the last film and stay them up to be this ultimate antagonist. And yet now here we have him being pulled and put onto the good guy's side of things. And I think what's really going to blow people's minds is when they get to the end of this film and we see that it is connected to the mummy and the the monster cinematic universe and that Charlize Theron is actually the mummy and she is manipulating both 
Dom and uh, whatever Tom Cruise's character is in The Mummy through mind control and causing all these things to happen. And now we're going to have gods, monsters, and car racing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yet, you know, that was a twist that I was not see. Co- I did not see coming. So uh, I, I present to you right? the M. Night Shyamalan Award. <laughs> Exclusive information. You've heard it here first, folks. Uh, no, and you're right. The movie, the, yes, the first Fast and the Furious uh, is very much a grounded in reality uh, undercover cop story. You know, it's it's Brian Speedman? Goodman? Brian uh, whatever. Uh, was. <laughs> Spillman. Something like that. I don't know. You know, going undercover and... and, and kind of losing himself in this sense of family that is is there uh to the point that he lets the bad guy get away at the end and and that has repercussions he in the next movie you see that he has has had like left the LAPD that he was working for and uh has has to go uh do a job for the FBI you know because they need a car racer because now he's a great car racer but you know that's when it starts off it starts off this whole well, let's see how much how how where, where's the boundary we can push with the what what can be done with cars, and then then you have Tokyo Drift, which is like uh, we're gonna say it's part Fast and the Furious, but it's really just uh, what was that? What's the name of that movie or that one anime? It's uh that it's to- uh, Initial D. Initial D. Thank you. And it's like we just kind of stole this story, and then we're gonna and then retroactively in the sixth movie of the series, we're gonna add it back in and yeah you're right like the idea that jason statham now is part of the good guy team is kind of ridiculous but you know we love jason statham why don't we want to see more of him this kind of thing you know that's exactly what i was gonna say i was like you know what it's super weird it makes no sense and i absolutely don't care as long (laughs) as we get to see them whooping ass in the film i mean i that, don't care what happens. that's kind of what happened with the fifth movie because in the fifth movie the rock and his team are kind of the bad guys just because they're going up against our our good guys but right uh, you know this next the very next movie the rock is on his team or the rock recruits him and it's just like all right yeah we get more rock i'm good <laughs> and i just think that's what's going to happen more and more often you know eventually it's just going to be dom's family is just going to keep getting larger and larger well, yeah, I mean, there's that side of the coin. And the other thing that I'm almost starting to get a little curious about is if Vin Diesel's not done with the the franchise. I mean, the first one came out in, what, 2001? So, I mean, honestly, at this point, that movie's not too terribly far away from being 20 years old, <laughs> which is kind of disturbing in its own right. But uh, there is a part of me that wonders if this maybe isn't an approach to kind of do a similar situation as to what they did with, like, Michelle Rodriguez to make her kind of up and disappear out of the franchise. Uh, You know, and that's another situation where she was good and then they had her as a bad villain type thing. And now it's like Dom that's going through that. And, you know, I would totally understand if, you know, by the time they get to the next film, uh, maybe the front leaders are... uh, the rock and jason statham i i mean it sounds a little bit crazy but i don't think it's that far-fetched to think that they might not actually be the the front runners of the of the film going forward and you know part of the reason that i really say that is it wasn't a secret that he was 
so close to Paul Walker, I would imagine it's got to be very difficult for him to come back onto the set of, of these films every single time and relive all of the, the pain and anguish that go along with his passing. Uh, so I wouldn't at all be surprised if if he is at a point where he's like, I just can't do these movies anymore. Well, you know, uh, not to, you know, throw away your your monster God and monsters uh, connection. But uh, I think you could be right. I think that uh, well, last I heard they wanted to do uh, all the way up to Fast and Furious 10. So this would be part eight in 19 or 2017. So you have him at the end of this movie, him and, and Letty take off, you know, you know, because we don't want to leave Dom as the bad guy. You eventually find out that uh, whatever reason Charlize Theron has over him, you, you know, they they solve it. So uh, Fast and Furious 9 is The Rock and Jason Statham running the team and, and doing what they need to do. And then and that's in 2019 when that movie comes out. 2021 when 21 yeah when fast and the furious 10 comes out it's the 10th or the 20th anniversary of the first movie coming out you bring you bring dom and letty back and boom you got you got your your complete circle and the movie made it all the way to 10 and they go into space yeah uh, yeah absolutely and i I still think uh you know i think they'll do a a very similar situation as to what they did with letty i think he'll, he'll be uh in flashbacks uh in nine or in a very very small part and uh i think i think we'll see a restore to greatness if you will and a closing of all the chapters in 10 and i mean at that point you know okay even if it does gross a billion dollars let's let's just, just put it, be done yeah I let's mean, just put it to bed i think you you hit a milestone right no one expected fast and furious to make it to 10 parts you did something that yeah. i would say no franchise other than maybe star wars uh, could have done and uh you did it spectacularly okay star wars and, and marvel movies but you did it spectacularly <laughs> Yeah, I think the only other one that, uh, and again, it's not exactly the same because it's it's an anthology and it's based off of a mega ton of books is uh, the James Bond franchise, right? Um, But outside of that, yeah, it's, uh, well, I guess, I don't know. I mean, there's like a crap load of Jason movies, but... Yeah, but they... Even then, you're right. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not imagine that Jason movies have grossed that much. No. You know, in comparison. No. No, no, no. No, not at all. Uh, I I would not even speculate that it even came close to that ever. Even if you adjusted for inflation and everything else, I I would be shocked if it came anywhere near what they did off of the last film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, no, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think it is a good uh, place in time to just... Obviously, they're doing it. It's been announced. And from what I understand, uh, Fast and the Furious 9 whatever they end up calling it is already in pre-production. So, I mean, they're going to just shotgun these things out, uh, which is pretty incredible. So, and, and I, I wanted to say, it's to point out that, you know, it was pretty prominent that even if they didn't give him a lot of screen time in the trailer, Scott Eastwood is in the trailer. Like they make it a point to show his face. And, it, and I don't remember the exact line that's being said at the moment that his face is being shown, but it, to me, it was, very much of, hey, this is who we're, we're replacing Paul Walker with, like Scott Eastwood's character. 
Right. No, I, absolutely. It definitely seems that way. And it's funny to to kind of digress for just a second here, but I actually think this uh, Fast, and the, Fast and the Furious, the first one they did, was a better remake of... Um, oh, man. I just totally dropped the name of the, the film there. Oh, Point Break. Oh, okay. I, I thought that was a better remake of Point Break than the Point Break remake was. <laughs> uh, because it's kind of the same story. Oh, it's exactly but... the same story. <laughs> But they found a way to bring it more to a relevant current thing that was still kind of underground. Because, I mean, at that time, like, surfing wasn't really quite as prominent as it is now. And neither was racing and street racing and things like that. So, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, and I totally agree. I, I think that uh, it was it was the right time to strike that iron, basically. <laughs> It was it, absolutely. I yeah. mean, yeah. What an incredible, uh, you know, shot in the dark that I, you know is going to end up spanning the course of of twenty years. I mean, that's just incredible. Um, there was one. Oh, and I wanted to talk about the director. So, like, you know, we had what Justin Lin do the movies since uh, Tokyo Drift. So he did Tokyo Drift, and then. Uh, the, the the fourth one, which is just called Fast and Furious, and then the fifth one, which is Fast Five. Then he did the sixth one, mm-hmm. uh, which was what Fast and Furious Six, I think. They, I don't think they gave it a, a catchy title. And then he left, and then I want to say James Wan came in for the seventh one, Fury Seven, and then this one yes. is F. Gary Gray. Uh, and then if you yep. want to go back, the first one is, uh, shoot, Cohen, something Cohen, not one of the Cohen brothers, but he's, his name's also Cohen. Hmm. And then the second one is John Singleton who, you know, did movies like, uh, higher learning and boys in the hood. So, uh, what do you think about the rotating directors in this? Uh, I mean, I think it's totally fine. I don't, I don't think there's, I, I, you know, obviously it's, it's changed throughout the, uh, you know, duration and things have still managed to, to move forward. And I think it's the same situation here. I think all of these actors know the, the source material well enough and know their characters well enough. They know what they're going to do based on the situation of the script. And I think as a director coming into this, there's obviously so much history that you can go back and expose yourself to. And I, I would imagine all of these directors are, are doing that to an extent. Uh, obviously, you do kind of want to keep things fresh and, and put a, a slightly different vibe on it. So then with that being said... And assuming that F. Gary Gray doesn't come back for Fast and the Furious Nine, who was who was someone that you would like to see be the director if they haven't already chosen a director? Oh man, um, I don't know. I there's not anybody that comes to mind that I'm just like, oh my gosh, this would be the most amazing thing ever. Oh, actually, that's not true. I will take a step back. I will. I will. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what the guy's name was, or the I think it's like a team, but they're the ones that did um, 
and they did uh, Hitman 47, and they were like a stunt coordinating uh, fight choreographers before that. I cannot think of the guy's name at this moment. Oh, Hitman 47. I don't. I don't remember who who directed that or what their. It's who, it's the same guy that did John Wick. I just oh David can't Lech? Think of, uh, Is that his name? Well, it's two guys. It's David Letch, and and he's the one who's doing. Deadpool now, and then there is the other guy, who's... Chad Stalashki or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Is probably butchering his name. So that that would be Stalishki. that wouldn't be that would be pretty awesome. And then maybe you get Keanu in the movie. <laughs> I yeah I that's what I would let's bring John Wick into uh, the Fast and the Furious movies and have him kick ass with them. That would be amazing. You know who I think. I would kind of want to see it, and I, I still I, I like him as a director, even though uh, his last movie I didn't like so much. But David Ayer, I think that he would do a pretty good job. Like after watching Sabotage and Into Watch and and Fury, I think that would be a pretty interesting movie. Uh, yeah, I think David Ayer is a fantastic choice. I mean, you look at some of the uh, and, and again, I don't necessarily believe that Suicide Squad was. I I think I think that that still falls very very heavily on uh, Warner Brothers Studios, and f- I, I feel like they still don't know what they're trying to do with their comic book films. Yes, so I, I I does he have some responsibility? Yes, because he was involved in the movie. However, as much as we would like to believe it, it at the end of the day restricted as much as anyone else is creatively at that level and he has had some other films that were wonderful and incredible and and you know even if it was 100% his fault I'd say he's due to have a bad film just like anyone else and I again I could totally get behind him coming on board to to do one of these films I think that could be a it's actually and and I know I mean I know I know he has Obviously, he has experience with ensemble cast, and that's kind of what you need to be for for a, a, this type of movie or a fa- Fast and the Furious movie. You got to be a person that knows how to keep track of all the the spinning pieces, all the spinning plates. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of the same situation, and it, you know, we're we're talking a lot about Marvel here, but it's kind of the same situation that Marvel has been in with a lot of these films. I mean, the Avengers: Civil War, uh, Infinity War, Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, you have to really all of these characters because you never know who is really the character, and so you want those characters to have enough tre- uh, screen time to bring all of those fans back time and time again and so it's a very delicate balancing act and obviously with this they are, are playing up the rock and vin diesel because i would say that's probably their two and then probably sequentially behind that would be jason statham but you know they're definitely creating this whole family fight thing which i think is hilarious because they actually look very very similar in the poster with you know their bald shaved heads and <laughs> badassness uh, so, but you're right. I I definitely think you need to bring in someone that that the nuances of the relationships, but the outright craziness of the action. And I think honestly, at this point, it might even be good or refreshing, at least, to try and get back to basics and start grounding it uh, a little bit heavier into what the first film was, and a little bit less. 
uh, over-the-top Mission Impossible type of, of action. No, Richard, we need to go to space. We need... Well, I'm <laughs> just saying for, for nine, <laughs> okay, you know, and, and ten, sure, go balls to the wall crazy, go to space, uh, we need... blow up the Death Star, <laughs> As uh, make say. it a sequel to Rogue One, which was already made. Um, <laughs> we need tricked out spaceships, crazy. damn it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got a tank in this one, so I mean, like, and that's not really fast. I mean, I guess it's furious, but <laughs> see, they're already shooting for David Ayers already. You know, they're furious. Yeah, <laughs> with a tank, fast and fury, furious. <laughs> the fury, furious, furious, furious. Here, I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's that, a, a really horrible wait, title they could. Is that why Charlie Theron is in this movie? Because the Fury Road. Yeah, and because of the mummy. Oh, that's right. And the mummy. I forgot. Uh, so, uh, oh, or, or, holy shit, it could actually be tied to Prometheus. <laughs> she actually starts up the Whalen Corporation, and Vin Diesel is actually uh, a bishop robot. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Crazy, right? Crazy. You know, what I was going to bring up was uh, when you were talking about the fact that The Rock and, and Vin Diesel kind of looked the same in, in that poster and stuff. And uh, I just wanted to be like, you know, you watch the, the Riddick movies and Vin Diesel's like mm-hmm. the most jacked guy in the movie. And he's huge and, and he, he kicks ass and he's, you know, the badass. But then you bring in The Rock into the Fast and the Furious movies and he's like, he just makes Vin Diesel look tiny. And it's just, that's scary. <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. And it's it's awesome though because I think you have the the Rock who obviously has established himself and just his physical presence alone is crazy, but have Vin Diesel and Statham uh, who are these other characters that bring so much gravitas and presence that it's not that unbelievable to see them on these ridiculous odds against uh the rock you know what i mean right yeah no i i i I totally get what you mean and it's crazy that kurt russell's coming back too that's pretty awesome (laughs) and and you know what he's also in the guardians of galaxy volume two so maybe there is more of a connection (laughs) space Uh, all right, so wrapping up, uh, I did put it out there on Facebook that uh, if there was anything that anybody that is part of our, our listening audience or our Facebook uh, community that wanted to ask us anything or just say something to us, you know, it didn't necessarily have to be a question. Uh, but we did get uh, Ramon Garcia, you know, avid listener to uh, Geek Elite Radio, that uh, wanted to know what happened to Hey Mitch. <laughs> Uh, which was another podcast that I was doing on the Geekly Radio Network, and uh, nothing really happened to it. I just kind of stopped. Um, well, it 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 basically kind of transformed into this show. Yes. Uh, so if you're missing the Hey Mitch show, Curly, uh, my fault, I guess, because I was the one that pressured Mitch into doing a podcast with me because <laughs> uh, we just love talking to each other and. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, that's kind of what happened. Well, see, I guess. And, and and he's he's you're you're taking on a lot more than you need to because uh, I saw I, fe- I felt that hey Mitch was just kind of more turning into me just talking to my friends more and more anyways, which is great. I love talking to you guys. I love talking to you. So you know we we kind of just became the Mitch and Rich show, which is fine. Which you know I'm having a great time doing this one too. 
so, you know, that's kind of what this became. And unfortunately, uh, you know, Curly went on to call you a homewrecker for <laughs> ruining the Haymitch <laughs> show. Uh, yes. But, but you know, that's oh. not true. We, 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 we started all this together, and this is just kind of more of the same. We're, we're kind of just, we're talking about stuff. So uh, I, I'm okay with the, the, the Mitch and Rich show because I know people don't want to just listen to me all the time. So I have Rich here to bounce stuff off of. Well, that's not, I mean, that's not entirely true. I mean, I'm, I enjoyed the hell out of the, the Hey Mitch show. And I will say this, Curly, nothing is, as they as as we've learned from our discussion today with Fast and the Furious, nothing is truly ever gone. <laughs> that is um, true. Don't, don't be surprised if you see an occasional episode of Hey Mitch come up. I mean, we've kind of moved into, uh, you know, something that we also really enjoy a lot is just talking to other people outside of our, our group of friends and our our close network and we've we've moved into a lot of other stuff with uh you know we had the fanboy nation on uh which was rc samo if i'm not mistaken correct uh we had terry mayo on just the last week where he talked about his his um you know the wicked righteous and his other graphic novel that's coming out uh later in 2017 uh we're I'm still trying to get Tim Stabbers uh, on here. We had I had talked to him, and we were going to kind of get him on the show. And then because of production work that I had going on, I, I wasn't able to do that interview at that time. Uh, but we're definitely still going to get him on here. Uh, I know Daniel has interviewed a number of other people outside of, of this. We also did um, Kara Nicole, which is AZ Power Girl that I remembered all these people names off the top of my head because that is usually not my strong suit at all. That's true. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress too much curly and, and hopefully this show provides you uh, some uh, listening, you know, at least 50% on Mitch's side and you know, the other 50% you can be upset at. <laughs> uh, well then the, and the last part of his question uh, was basically, uh, what video games is Mitch excited to own and not play? And any person who <laughs> <laughs> any person who's uh, listened to me talk about video games uh, on the on any of the podcasts is that I do normally just buy video games and they just sit on my shelf because I don't play them. And then that's the most appropriate question for me because you could ask Richard about video games and he's going to talk about video games until the sun comes up and the cows come home. But uh, yep. Uh, me, I, I see, I do see commercials, and I'm like, wow, that looks amazing. I probably will buy that and then leave it on my shelf. So, uh, with that being said, um, Dishonored Two looks pretty awesome. Uh, uh, what's the uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen that just came out? That looked pretty cool. Um, yep. What's the one with the 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 robot dinosaurs and you're the girl? Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn. That looks amazing. Uh, is the new so, so here? Okay, here's <laughs> here's a game that I you Mitch is going to buy and play, and it's uh it's supposed to come out in 2017, called Detroit Become Human, and it's by the same team that did Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, which I played neither and, of you didn't but <laughs> go and watch the trailer for it and i guarantee you you were gonna be like i'm gonna have to play this game <laughs> and it's once so up your alley it's crazy once again it's detroit what 
Become human. Become human. All right. That sounds a lot like it's a robot yeah. cop game. <laughs> it pretty much is. Um, <laughs> it's. It looks insane. Like, they are taking this to... Uh, well, one of the biggest... Uh, we're going to go on a whole tangent here that I, we, we can talk about it next week. Okay. Um, but it looks amazing. <laughs> we'll talk about Detroit Become Human next week because if not, we'll be here for another two hours. Well, yes, I will I will definitely go and uh, check out that trailer and we can talk about it next week as, as well as talking about uh, the new Resident Evil game, which I have owned every Resident Evil game uh, since... You know, the first one, and uh, I've played every single one. The last one, I played maybe an hour of, but I played it. (laughs) So we'll have to talk. And I even played the demo for this newest one, but uh, we'll have to uh, talk about what that that means for the franchise going forward. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that we have been slowly moving towards streaming more games. So... Even though Mitch might not be playing uh, the game always, he's certainly going to be kind of on like a panel of people that are playing and being a part of a gameplay experience. So that's something you can look forward to as well. And I I assume that uh, people want to watch me play some more scary video games because... uh, Yes. (laughs) I don't think you can get that reaction out of me, uh, you know, uh, playing call of duty or anything but then again i do get kind of jump scares playing call of duty 2 when someone during multiplayer when someone kills me so <laughs> we'll just wait we'll find a lot of horror games we'll uh we'll get a night vision or uh infrared camera and we'll turn all the lights off and uh, we'll make you play it with headphones on so that you're super scared look i i know that i'm losing a lot of weight <laughs> at the moment but i still have a lot of damage to my heart so you can't just be expla- expecting to do things like that and me not have a heart attack okay it's not a good idea <laughs> <laughs> completely understandable hey before before we before before we wrap up did you ever finish watching uh, uh that episode of black mirror playtest no, I have not had time to finish that yet. I want to so bad, though, because it was really cool what we watched. So maybe I can finish that and we can talk about that next week. Okay, too. good, because I have a, I mean, obviously it's a it's one about video games, so I have a video game question about it, but uh, we'll have to get to that next week. Fantastic. Well, there you go. Teaser so, for next week, all video games. <laughs> there, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, Ramon Curley, I hope that uh, answers your question. And uh, I, I'm glad that you're still listening, even though it's no longer Hey Mitch, it is now the Mitch and Rich show. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about wrecking the home, Curly. <laughs> uh, all right. So, if you also have something else you want to say to us, uh, Curly. Uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Richard's also on Twitter as at Wright Cohen, R I C O W N. W N. Yeah. <laughs> there is uh, the Geek Elite Radio has its own Twitter is at Geek Elite Radio. So if you want to get a hold of anybody else, uh, you can do you can do it there. And then go to our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio to be a part of our community and join in on our conversation. Then head over to our website, geekeliteradio.com, to check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, when we're going to be talking about a bunch of video games, apparently, uh, this has been the Mitch and Rich <laughs> Show on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.